0: Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. Our desire is to help people understand God's intention for their life. We hope for every listening, you are blessed by this week's message. Well, God bless you and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We salute you. We applaud you. We honor you. You're deserving of double honor. You're deserving of great honor. The scriptures tell us that we should honor our mother and father, and that is for good reason. Mothers, you sacrifice a lot, and uh, I just want to say we appreciate you. Today, I'm really excited to go into the Word. Uh, We're in the middle of a series called Doors, and uh, we actually kicked off the series last week called Automatic Doors. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, please do yourself a favor. Go back one week. Listen to automatic doors because I believe the Holy Spirit was really in that message ministering uh, some deep things that's going to bless you. And the same is true for today. Today, I want to talk to you about revolving doors. And I'm sure you know what revolving doors are. You've been through them. And um, I believe that the scripture gives a picture of what that looks like and what it means to be in a revolving door. And so I want to start really uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter two, verses two to three. And in this particular verse, uh, God is speaking and he's directing the children of Israel to stop revolving around a mountain. They were walking around the same mountain for 40 years. And that's what revolving doors do. They allow you to go in and come out if you need to. And some people, uh, they actually go into revolving doors and they're afraid of jumping out. Maybe they think that they don't have enough time or enough space, and so what do they do? They continue because they want to be safe and they'll, they'll say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll come around again and go inside the next go round." And do you realize that there are people that are doing that for 40 years, 20 years, 30 years? Uh, revolving around the same door or revolving around the same place in life. And I believe that the Lord uh, wants you to see that his plan for you is to come out and get out of a revolving door situation. And he's going to help you do that. So in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 2 to 3, it says, And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Do you realize that God, even though he's an eternal God and he's not limited or bound by time, he understands time. He understands the concept of time. He knows how long things take. And he has an opinion about how long things should take. And he speaks to the people of Israel. He says, you guys have been around this mountain for too long. In other words, I expect you to not revolve around the same place. I expect you to advance. And I want you to know something, that perhaps you're in, in in a situation right now where you've been revolving around, going around, going around. Same story, same picture, same scene, same struggle, same drama, same thing. And God is like, you've skirted around this too long. I want you now to turn northward. And that's the word of the Lord for you today. And I want to let you know that God wants you to get out of the revolving door, I'm thinking of a scripture found in Joshua 24, verses 14 to 15. And what's interesting to me about this particular chapter is that Joshua poses a uh, a challenge. He poses a challenge to the people of God. And he says, "Guys, you know what? You got to make a choice. You know, no longer going here and going there and going back to the things that uh, you've done before." And why I find this interesting is that they've already conquered lands. They've already been delivered from Egypt. God has already already demonstrated who he is. They've already seen the miraculous. They know about the Ten Commandments. They know that they shouldn't have any gods before them. They've seen Moses do all these miraculous things. They're in the land that God promised them. And here Joshua is still saying something that shocks me. And he's presenting this challenge to them. He says, listen, you guys got to make a choice. And the reason why that shocks me is that as I look at that scripture, it dawns on me, even after all of this, they still didn't make the choice to actually serve God. They were skirting around the mountain even longer than 40 years. And this is what it says in verse 14. It says, now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, on on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And let me just stop there for a second because what Joshua's painting a picture of is, hey, on the other side of the river, you serve the Egyptian gods. Now, we're, we're, we're on this side of the river, and we're in the land of the Amorites, and their gods are present. And you got to make a choice. Do you want to serve, you know, what we came from? Do you want to serve where we are now? And he gives them another option. And it says, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." Again, why does this shock me? It's because it it really paints a clear picture to me that it's so easy to see God do the miraculous, God show himself so powerfully, God demonstrate himself, he proves himself, that he's a miracle-working God, and yet he's taking us on a journey. And while we're on this journey, we're still holding on to something. And this is the graciousness of God many times he'll let you hold on to things that he finds abominable. He'll allow you to hold on to things that he rejects. But there will come a point in time where God will begin to challenge you. There'll come a point in time where he'll say, you've done this too long. And I believe that this is where Joshua meets the people of God. He's like, guys, listen, we've seen too much. We know that we serve a miracle-working God. We know about the Ten Commandments. We know about fire from heaven. We know about crossing the Red Sea. We know about the ten plagues that hit Egypt. We know about all those things. And God has brought us into this land. He's faithful. He did all of these things. And while he was doing these things, you still kept your foreign gods. You still held on to them. And you know what? God didn't even bother you much about it. But now we're at a place where you got to make a choice. He says, what are you going to do? Are you going to serve the gods of Egypt? Are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites? He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am no longer going around the same mountain. I'm not going to make the same mistakes, repeat the same drama, go around the same issues, have the same conversations. No, I'm making a change. I'm getting out of the revolving door. Some of you I see in the spirit, you're in a revolving door situation. You know, One of the things that I I now do, especially um, as I counsel people at times, I want to see where is your heart? Do you really want change, or are you putting something out just to entertain the idea that you're thinking about changing, but you're not? And the reason why I do this is because the longer I've been in ministry, one thing I realize: some people really do not want to change. They really don't. They're looking to build Uh, a consensus of why they should continue being the way they are. So they'll go to counseling. They'll speak to people. But they're really trying to build an argument for what they've already decided. They're trying to say, yeah, I'm right. And so I want you to know something. You can go around the same mountain, be in that same situation, or you can choose differently. And I believe by the Lord, by the Spirit of the Lord, you're being challenged today to get out of the revolving door you know, Pastor Lashan, she was uh, sharing a a word on IG Live, and I was remarking that, you know, I knew the story that she was sharing, but I didn't know this particular detail, or I, I forgot. She was sharing how one day she was sleeping. I was sleeping right by her. It was the middle of the night. I was sound asleep, but she actually could not sleep. She was struggling, and she felt a heaviness. She felt anxiety. She felt pressure, and she goes on and on about, how she felt, and how this was something she's never felt before. And she began to call out to God. She began to call out for help. She began to call out for God to rescue her from that moment. She said it was so heavy, so intense, she couldn't even extend her arm to wake me up. That's how heavy it was. So as she began to call out to God, she said that she felt the heaviness slowly lift up, but it hovered over her. It hovered over her. And that was, a, that was a, a detail that I forgot. And she was describing how that heaviness hovering over her was just a space and time that gave her an opportunity to make a decision. And in that moment, the Lord spoke to her and began to tell her, you have to make a decision. Up until this point, you've been hedging. You've been believing, but uh, not quite. You've been taking a step, but uh, let me wait. You've been hesitating. And this is why this anxiety is heavy on you. This is why this pressure is heavy on you. And I'm giving you a space right now. As that thing hovers over you, you have an opportunity to make a decision. Am I going to believe God or am not? It's a choice you have to make. You can go around this revolving door all you want, but as you do, and I want you to know that door gets heavier and heavier, heavier and heavier. You get more tired. And you got to come to a place in your life where you say, I got to make a clear decision, and in that moment, she said, I'm going to trust you, and at that moment, she was believing for uh, uh, her to be pregnant, and, and you know the story. If you've, if you've heard her share it before, she got pregnant. She got pregnant with twins. God answered her, and it was more than pregnancy. There was other things that she was praying about, and the Lord began to assure her, breakthrough is here. I'm with you. Go forward, but here's the key thing. She had to make a decision. Let me ask you a question. Are you in a revolving door situation? Are you waiting for circumstances to change before you make a decision? Mm -mm, It won't work that way. I can tell you countless times how I had to make a decision to do something before something opened up. Sometimes we're waiting again for something to open up, but really what has to happen is you have to make a decision. You can't be in a revolving door situation. you got to decide, I'm stepping out. Maybe that revolving door looks like it's a narrow way of, of, of leaving that, 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 that passageway, but you got to decide whether it's narrow or not, I'm leaving. Maybe it feels like it's moving too fast. you got to make a decision. I'm leaving. Maybe it feels like you got to push a little harder, but you got to make a decision. I'm leaving. Because here's the reality. There will never be perfect circumstances. Never. And you got to make a determination. If God spoke to me, if God is opening a path for me, I'm taking that path. Glory to God. I want you to know that this is your time to come out of a revolving door situation. Let me explain to you how this looks. 1 Kings 18, verses 21. And this is a story of Elijah who, um, again, he poses a challenge uh, to the people of God. Well, not to the people of God, to the people who are worshiping a false god, Baal. And this is what he says. He says, and Elijah came to all the people, this is verse 21, and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him but the people answered him not a word. Do you realize that you will falter if you keep two opinions? The reason why many times people do not move in the will of God is because they are faltering between two opinions. And they have the luxury of time, they think, to continue around that revolving door situation until something changes. But let me tell you something. This revolving door is a trick. It will never change. It will always just turn around and around and around. That's how it's designed. There are certain places you are. It's a trick. It will never change. It will just go around and around and around. But here's the grace of God. God will allow there to be an exit. He will allow a path for you to step out. But you got to be willing to step out you got to be willing to say, if God spoke to me, I'm stepping out. Again, it may feel like that door is spinning really fast, and you're like, I don't know if I can make it. You can make it. It may feel like, oh, it's kind of hard to push. You can make it. Don't stay in the revolving door. I'm speaking that over your life right now. You're coming out in the name of Jesus. You know, there's a woman in the Bible that I think is a very powerful illustration of who was in a revolving door situation. You know, in fact, we don't even know her name. You know, Uh, the Bible describes her as a woman with an issue of blood. She was she was bleeding. She was she was menstruating, if you would, for 12 straight years. And we can go into detail of what that means. I mean. Literally, she had a miserable life, miserable life. She was considered unclean, untouchable, unwanted, undesirable. She couldn't have relations with the man. She had to constantly be distant. She couldn't have children during that period of time. Think about all that she had to endure. So it's not that she just had a a problem and she needed to be healed. It affected her social life. It affected even how people saw her spiritually. Imagine being labeled unclean. Think about what that does to your psyche. Constantly weighing on your mind that you are unclean, that God sees you as unclean. And the Bible says that one day she heard about Jesus. Thank God. She heard about Jesus. And this is what she said in verse 28. This is Mark 5, verse 28. She said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, what I didn't read is that the Bible says that she saw many doctors. That's the revolving door. She saw many doctors but didn't get better. In fact, she got worse. She spent all that she had. That's the revolving door. She went to one doctor. Doctor said, try this. She tried it. It didn't work. She went to another doctor. Doctor said, try this. She tried it. Didn't work. She spent here. It didn't work. She went over there. Didn't work. She did this for 12 years. 12 years. And again, I believe that the Bible gives, the, gives us these years to let us know that this is real life. There are people who are dealing with things for 12 years, for 10 years, for 20 years, for 30 years. And you might think you're in a class by yourself. You don't get it. I've been in this situation for five years. I've been dealing with this for eight years. This has been true for my life for 20 years, or even all my life. We see people that had conditions all of their lives, and yet they met God. They met Jesus, and something broke. That's what I'm speaking over your life. But notice, It says that she said to herself, if I only may touch his clothes, I will be made whole or I will be made well. Thank you. I want you to think about that. And so here's what happened. There's a bunch of people crowding Jesus. They're touching him. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then she, <laughs> she comes, she, she's in a situation where she should not be in. Remember, she, she's unclean. She can't be in the public square like this. She can't be touching people, right, lest she make them unclean, right? So she took a chance, right? And what did she do? Her, her plan was, look, I'm unclean. I don't want people knowing. I'm going to just get what I need to get, and I'm out. That, that, that's exactly what her plan was. Her plan wasn't to let people know. That's how much faith this woman had. And she said, if I may just touch the hem of his garments, I will be made whole. So what did she do? She did exactly that. She pressed her way into the crowd, grabbed the hem of Jesus' garment, received healing. Immediately she felt the change in her body. Something dried up. Something stopped flowing. She knew she was well. And what did Jesus do? He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody just touched me. Now, can you imagine how people looked at Jesus like, Jesus, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? Somebody? T- We're all touching you. Uh-uh, this is a different kind of touch. And this is the difference. It wasn't that she just touched him. She touched him after she said something, and that's the difference. And I hear the word of the Lord coming to my heart right now, show up saying something. She didn't just come and say, I'm going to, she didn't just come just to touch. She showed up saying something. I believe that everybody else was surprised. Oh, Jesus is here. Oh, my God, Jesus, do something. Jesus! And they were just kind of like mobbing him. No, no, she came with intention. And I believe that's how you get out that revolving door. You don't just show up because, okay, I'm just here. No, she came with an agenda. She said long before, because the present tense of the scripture is that she kept Saying this to herself, I gotta make it to Jesus. I gotta press through this crowd. Maybe she saw Jesus afar so away and she saw the crowd mobbing him. She said, You know what? If I could just get there, if I could just press my way, oh, you know, I see an angle. Oh, okay, okay, this is my perfect time. She kept, she was coaching herself. She was telling herself, This is the answer. She didn't say, Well, you know what? You tried this for 12 years. You know, Jesus' is not a, really, he's not a doctor. You know, he's a carpenter's son. No, she didn't reason herself out. She said, I know that if I touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made well. I don't need to have a conversation with him. I don't need to explain anything to him. I just need to show up saying something. Here's my question to you. What are you showing up saying? She was saying something. That's the difference between her touch and everybody else's touch. Everybody was touching Jesus, but they weren't saying the right thing. So power wasn't flowing out of him the same way. But she said something and she did something, and as a result, she received something. Man, I'm excited about that. I want you to know right now, this is the time for you to get out that revolving door. I don't care what the struggle has been. I don't care if it's a struggle with, 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 with lust. I don't care if it's a struggle with drinking, smoking. I don't care if it's a struggle with arguing, fighting. I don't care if you're dealing with a condition in your body. I don't care if it's a financial struggle. I hear heaven telling you today, this is your time to get out of the revolving door glory to God. You've been skirting this mountain for too long. This is the day of breakthrough. You got to show up saying something. That's the difference. Oh, I, I feel this right now. Let, let, let me share with you why this is so critical and why this is so easy when we consider the fact that Jesus paid the way. And it's found in, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this. Jesus is the curse breaker. Oh, that's, I want you to remember that. Jesus is the curse breaker. Galatians 3, 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. What did Jesus become? He became a curse for us. It it wasn't that they just cursed him. He became a curse. That's very serious. Just like the Bible says that he became sin. Not that he just had sin on him. He became the definition of sin. He became sin. He became a curse. And what happened? It says, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. So when Jesus was on the cross, and yes, it was a tree, you know, it wasn't like the nice, you know, cut out, you know, uh, plywood that you see, the four by uh, two or what have you. No, no, Jesus was literally on a tree hanging. It was a crossbar, and he was on a tree dying a sinner's death, right? And that picture was to say that he was cursed. He was a cursed individual. All the sins were on him. All the guilt was on him. All the shame was on him, right? But this is what it says. That, this is the purpose, that the blessing. See, there was a transfer. Jesus became a curse so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Praise God. In other words, Jesus became a curse, but you inherited the blessing. What blessing did you inherit? You inherited the blessing of Abraham. What's the blessing of Abraham? Primarily, it's justification by faith. In other words, you could not, ever fulfill the requirements of God. I could not fulfill the requirements of God as it's written in the Old Testament. In and of ourselves, we would fail some way. It is impossible. So here was the curse. You're in a situation where you can never be justified. No matter how perfect you lived your life, you could never be justified. No matter how perfect you think you follow the law, you could never be justified. God will still be looking at you, shaking his head. SMH, you know, like we like to type. That was the picture of heaven. No matter how how good you were, God was shaking his head. That was the curse. And if God was shaking his head, that means you could never be in a position where you can have your head lifted up. You could never have you can never be in a position where you can stand before him boldly. Oh, glory to God. That's why the scripture says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, the throne of grace. We couldn't do that before. Why? Heaven was shaking their head. We, 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 heaven was shaking his head. We had to come timidly. God, if I have found favor, For those who like to study the Bible, let me give you an assignment. You'll see that statement a lot in the Old Testament. Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, if I have found favor in your sight, if I have found favor in your sight, You'll never find that in the New Testament. Why? Because you have already found favor. You've been highly accepted. You've been favored by God. Come on. That's amazing. That's all found in Christ because he became a curse for you and for me so that we may inherit the blessing of Abraham. What is the blessing of Abraham? It's a lot of things, but primarily it's justification by faith. Because you've placed your faith in Jesus, praise the Lord, everything that Jesus is, righteous, holy, everything that he is, all of that comes on you. That's the blessing of Abraham, being justified by faith. So Jesus broke the curse. There is no curse on your life. You don't have bad luck. I want to dispel that right now. I don't care if someone said something over your life. And I know there are different occultic practices in the world. And maybe you come from a family that has delved into some things. And maybe you're afraid and thinking that, you know what, my mom, my dad, my grandmother, you know, I know some people in my family that delve into certain things. Maybe you've delved, delved into certain things also. I want you to know right now, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, those things are no longer part of you, and they have no part in you, and they have no power over you. Jesus is the curse breaker. Praise the Lord. You are justified by faith in him, and as a result, you can come out of that revolving door. You don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to skirt around the same mountain. You don't have to deal with the same issue. Why? Jesus broke the curse. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, right there. That's a good place for you to shout. Jesus broke the curse. And that's what you got to tell yourself, not, oh, I have bad luck. Things never work out for me. Things are always hard. Life is a grind. Life is a struggle. Oh, it's just the luck of the draw. No, 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 no. Jesus broke the curse. Let me leave you with one last scripture found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Oh, this is exciting. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us. Even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That's a lot there. I wish I had more time. But Jesus, the Bible describes him as the forerunner. He entered the presence of God behind the veil for us and before us so that we can also have presence or we can enter God's presence. He entered the veil. He's the forerunner. In other words, and this is what I feel in my spirit to tell you, you may be in that revolving door, and that door may be hard to push. It may be a weight, and I want you to think about this. Have you ever been in a revolving door, and someone's ahead of you, and because of the force of their push, you don't even have to push as much. You can just kind of like walk as they push, and you can leave. I want you to know right now, the same thing is true. Jesus is the forerunner. He is in that revolving door. He bore the weight of that door. He pushed past. And he created an opening and you don't even have to push. You can just continue to walk. And once that opening is there, you can walk through it. That's what the cross did. The cross created an opening. It created you being free from the curse of the law. And that all happened because Jesus is the forerunner. He tore into that veil, broke that veil, busted that veil open. He, he, he came into the presence of the Holy of Holies. He put his blood on the mercy seat, and now we have access to the Father. Now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm telling you, the curse has been broken. Jesus is the curse breaker, and I want you to get excited about that right now. You are coming out of the revolving door. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I just wish I had a little bit more time to preach this. but I'm saying, my time is up, but I want you to know right now, You are coming out of that revolving door. Let me prophesy over you. I want you to lift up your hands right now where you are. Think about what you've been going around and around and around on. Think about the the mountain. Think about the struggle. Think about the challenge. Think about the the, the sickness. Think about the insufficiencies. Think about the things that have plagued your mind, the thoughts, things that you said, I'll never be free from. I can never get free from. I don't know how to get free from. This is your day in the name of Jesus. You're going to be like that woman with the issue of blood, and you're going to show up saying something. You're not just showing up anymore. No, you're showing up armed with a confession that when I touch this, when I say this, when I do this, this is going to happen in the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands. I declare right now that you're coming out of every revolving door, everything that has plagued you, every mountain that you've skirted around, every issue that you've danced around, every decision that you failed to make. You're making that decision now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, no more will you falter between two opinions. I declare right now that you are no longer Mm double-minded. But this is your receiving day in the name of Jesus. I'm seeing in the realm of the Spirit that you are walking free, free from lust. Yeah, you're changing your opinion about that. You've said to yourself, I'll always deal with this. No, that's a lie from hell. Heaven is saying you've been free in the name of the Lord. So right now, receive your freedom in Jesus' name. Oh, I'll always be confused. This has always been a struggle for me. I can never be good at this. I cancel that lie. In the name of the Lord Jesus, that revolving door, mm -mm, no more, no more, no more. You're coming out in Jesus' name. Receive your breakthrough. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a shout of praise right there. Give him a shout of praise. Come on, lift up your hands, open up your mouth and declare Jesus is the curse breaker and I'm walking out from that revolving door. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God, I'm telling you, I I enjoy preaching that today. (laughs) Listen, this is a day for you to be set free. And I want to encourage you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior if you haven't done so. This is what you need to do. Say, Lord, come into my life. Save me from my sin. I repent of my sin and I believe that you are Lord. Be the Lord of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that for the first time, the Bible declares that you're saved, you're born again. I have some instructions for you following this message. Please stay with me. I want to guide you on what you should do next. God bless you. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our website at www.nylifechurch.com and click on the gift tab. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Go and live a purpose-driven life.